Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We want to resist sin, resist temptation because it has a way of taking over. How many people thought they would have a drink and became a drunk? How many people thought they would experiment with weed and became a crackhead? How many people thought they were in control? Any addict of anything was in control at some point. They were in control until they lost control. It's how it works. And so too with any other sin. You don't control sin. Sin will ultimately control you. It will be your Lord. Freedom is the foundation that our nation was built on. Even when we don't realize it, we benefit from freedom in so many different ways on a daily basis. But even with so much liberty available to us, we often find ourselves under the control of many different vices. In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you that you can never control sin, but that sin will always control you. The only way to break free from sin is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Only He can offer you true freedom from sin. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 13. As he continues his message, Counterfeit Christ. Right now, the world worships all kind of different things. There's agnostics. There's people, I don't worship anything. There's people that say, I am God. People that worship, you know, Buddha, Muhammad, you know, Eastern religion, so forth and so on. At this time, it'll be a one world religion. They all worship him. If you're not saved, you worship him. That's what's going to be happening during this time. And so it'll be a different era. You'll be glad that you're not here if you're a believer today. Verse nine, it said that if anyone has an ear, let him hear. And whenever you see that, you got to just pause and perk up. I said, look, if you got ears to hear, hear this. Hear this. Anyone whose name's not written in the Lamb's book of life. So I got to stop there and ask you, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Have you received Christ in the forgiveness of your sins? Have you surrendered to him as Jesus Christ, Lord of your life? Have you ever come to a point in your life where you stopped and said, man, God, I am a sinner and you are the savior and I want to be forgiven. Have you done that? If you have, you know it. And the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. But if you don't know, then you need to. These things are written, you guys. This isn't to spook you. God didn't give revelation so we could read this freaky stuff and be like, oh, that was so scary and so spooky. Guys, I'm preparing you. I'm preparing. There's a devil that's real, but there's a God that's even more real. And he loves you. And he made a provision for you. You can be written in the Lamb's book of life. He died on the cross for all of your sins. And if you would put your faith in him, if you would acknowledge, God, I am a sinner. I've done a lot of things I shouldn't do. But I do believe that you died on the cross in my place and that you rose from the grave and I put my faith in you to forgive me and cleanse me. And I want to start a life with you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. God will have you today. He will be your Lord. He will be your savior today. And we invite you to do that wherever you're at. As you believe by faith right now, that's what it requires. What God requires that by faith you would believe that faith should bear the fruit of repentance, that you should turn from whatever and turn to Christ. God will begin a work in your life today. It would bring him joy to see you saved. And so moving on now to verse 10, it says, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. 
We're just notified here that those that are plundering believers, those that are, you know, killing them with the sword, those that are, you know, capturing believers. God said, look, all all those that come after them, they're going to receive the same penalty. Those that have led into captivity are going to go into captivity. Those that have killed with the sword, they're going to die as well. Here's the patience and faith of the saints. If you're a saint, you got to just endure a very difficult time. I couldn't imagine, you know, for the person that is not willing to surrender to Christ here under the age of grace, how much more difficult is going to be here when the whole world is run by Satan? The whole world is worshiping Satan and it's just a few of you little old believers out there trying to hold on. It's not going to be a fun time to be a believer, but it would still be better to suffer for Christ and go be with him than to live for the enemy and go be with him. So it'll always be better to hang in there with Christ. And so, again, as we get ready to move on, verses eight and nine told us that all those that don't worship Jesus will worship Satan. And once again, Satan is receiving his counterfeit worship. That's what he wanted. That's all he wanted. He wants to be worshiped. Now, look at verse 11. We get introduced to the last person of this unholy trinity. We met Satan, the dragon. We met now the beast who came out of the sea was the Antichrist. And now in verse 11, we're going to see the beast that comes out of the earth is the false prophet. So verse 11 says, then I saw another beast coming up out of the sea and he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. And I wrote my notes, counterfeit lamb, right? You got, it looks like two little horns, like a little lamb. Lambs are cute and harmless and sweet. And so two horns like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. And again, the false prophet is going to be the spokesman. We're going to see that uh, he blasphemes and he does a lot of things against the church. They each seem to have their part, just like God's Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit are all working together to one end. This unholy Trinity is all working together to one you know, wicked end. Verse 12 through 15, it says, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So the false prophet is causing people to worship the first beast, the Antichrist, and he's directing attention there and causes people to worship him. Verse 13, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And so notice what he's doing. He's doing signs and wonders. He's causing people to be in awe. And as they're listening to him, he's telling them, worship him, worship the first beast who was wounded and lives again. Verse 15 says he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the beast to be killed. I want you to note that while the unholy trinity, if you look at everything that they're doing, it it ends up being the death of believers. Note this. It probably is a pretty cool time, apparently, to be a non-believer. We don't see that they're doing anything to non-believers. But 
They're attacking the church. They're overcoming the church. They're going after the church. And here it says that all those that wouldn't worship the beast are going to be killed. They're going to be going after everyone that won't succumb to the worship of the beast. And they're going to be coming to kill them for what they're doing. And so it seems like for a moment, it'd be a cool time to be a non-believer. The heat is kind of off of you for the moment, but don't miss this. Even today, there'll be people today that maybe there's some things that they're enjoying in this life because they're not walking with the Lord. They're kind of doing their own thing. And, you know, sin, the Bible says, is pleasurable for a season, but it's got a price tag on it. And so there may be people today that are saying, you know what, I just want to do my own thing. I talked to someone recently and that's what they said. That's the reason that they won't surrender to Christ is right now they're doing what they want to do and they like it. And so that's what they're doing. But sin carries a price tag. And I learned this a long time ago. I love this little saying. It says sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. And so you're not in control of sin. You don't run sin. Sin will run you. And if you give way to sin, thinking that I'll pull back when I get ready. No, you won't. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. I didn't plan to be here that long. It'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. I didn't know it was going to cost me all that. And so, you know, be mindful. That's why we want to resist sin, resist temptation, because it has a way of taking over. How many people thought they would have a drink and became a drunk? How many people thought they would experiment with weed and became a crackhead? How many people thought they were in control? Any addict of anything was in control at some point. They were in control until they lost control is how it works. And so, too, with any other sin, you don't control sin. Sin will ultimately control you. It will be your Lord. It will be your master. That's why God calls us when we come to Christ. He says, just die to yourself. Commit to death. Don't try to live. You're not going to beat sin. I'm going to punish it. I'm going to forgive it. I'm going to empower you to overcome it. But you got to resist it. It's an enemy. And you don't want to succumb. You don't want to yield to it. But again, it looks like for the non-believers, the heat is kind of off of them right now. It might seem like, man, they're doing all right. But there's an end in sight, right? The non-believer ends somewhere. And this is what you need to remember. And this is not a scare tactic. These are facts. If you die without Christ, the Bible says the person dies without Christ, they go to hell. Hell is a real place. It's a place the Bible describes as outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It says there's fire and brimstone. It's a lake of fire. It burns forever and ever. The worm does not die there. I mean, just it's death. You're conscious in hell. It's a place God said I've only created it to punish Satan and the demons that fell with him. But everyone that won't have me will have hell. God says, look, I'm not willing. I don't desire that anybody would perish. It's not my heart to send people to hell. I'd rather everybody repent. And this is why God said, look, if anybody that would repent, I would forgive. If you would turn to me, I would receive you. It's not his will to forcibly make someone go to hell. But if you don't want Christ, it would be wrong for him to say, well, I'm going to make you be with me for eternity. You won't have Christ. It's the alternate to having Christ and forgiveness is hell. And so. That's what Christ came to save sinners. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, die and go to hell. But instead, we would have everlasting life. That's what he wants you to have. And he beckons you. He sent prophets of old. He's got preachers of new. Everything that can be done to open people's eyes to see who Christ is and what he has done. God said, I've done it. 
and I'm doing it. I've made sure that the Bible made it out through every generation. I've made sure that there's always been a preacher. There's always been a spokesman. There's always been someone upon whom my spirit is that is declaring my message. And it'll be this way all the way to the end so that no one is with excuse. No one will be able to excuse their unbelief. So moving on. So while it seems like not a bad time for non-believers, their bad time will be coming in the future. And so now look down with me to verse 14. It says that he deceives those who dwell on the earth by the signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And so he's telling them to make an image of this beast so it can be worshipped. Verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And so almost reminiscent of Nebuchadnezzar as he raised up his golden image and those who wouldn't worship it, he wanted to put it to death. I wonder who inspired him to do that. Here they're raising up this image and giving breath to the image. If you won't worship this image of the beast, then you should die. You should be killed. Verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so here we're introduced to the mark of the beast. Many have heard of this throughout time. A lot of people are wondering today because there's talks of people are going to have to get a chip and is that the mark of the beast and all these things. Note this, follow the timeline. When is this coming out? After the rapture, during the tribulation period, during the second three and a half years of the tribulation period, after the false prophet and the Antichrist have been revealed and they're doing their thing. So there's already been all these cataclysmic things that have gone on the earlier portions of Revelation that we've read. So people can kind of get up in arms, anything with a chip, that's a mark of the beast. Eh, Slow down, slow down, maybe not. Maybe not. But what it does tell us is this. The technology to do such a thing is here. There was a day when this was laughable to some. There was a day when people read this and they were like, how are you going to buy and sell with something? That doesn't make no sense. That's crazy. That book is a fairy tales. Nah, not now. Now you got a chipping fluffy, don't you? So if you lose Fluffy and they find her, they can run a scan over and find out who she belongs to and bring her back to you. And now the technology is here and the motivation for the technology is here. The two things that they're putting forth, what's happening all over the world. People get their identity stolen and their credit card stolen and people are stealing their stuff. And they say, well, now we can put all that right here where it's with you. They can't steal your car. It's on you all the time. Now, also your medical information. Let's say you out hiking and you fell down the hill and you tumble down and they get you. And, you know, they need to know that you're diabetic or you got this. We'll scan your hand. Got all your medical issues right there. We'll take care of you. They're coming up with all these reasons for it. Now with pandemics and viruses and stuff, you know, for you to be able to go travel, we want to know that you don't have that thing. Have you been clear? Let me see. Nah, you got the virus, sir. You, you have not been clear. You didn't get vaccinated. There's all this speculation of those things. Here's what we know. We know that this mark right here is everyone has to get it. Small, great, rich, poor, slave or free on your right hand or your forehead. No one can buy or sell without you can't function in society without it. You can't buy groceries and you can't sell where you can't make money or spend money without this mark. And 
It's happening during this time period. So the believers should read this and say, wow, we should be looking up saying, man, our redemption draws nigh. Man, we are. I mean, there's really nothing that needs to happen for the Lord. Just come grab his church. The stage is set for all of this to jump off. You can look in the world right now. I could see this. All this could happen right now. I mean, we are. If there's ever been a generation, I mean, I can say this is a fact. We are closer than anybody before us to the return to the Lord coming to receive his church and all these things kicking off. And so. But during this time, imagine again that you're a believer and you messed up and you're here. If you're going to stay saved, because if you take this mark, you are damned. If you take this mark, there is no hope for you. If you take the mark of the beast, then that's it. You've taken his mark. So imagine that you're a believer in Christ now. I can't buy or sell. How am I going to feed my kids or wife or family? How can I live? Here's the answer to that. Just get saved now. This is letting you know you just don't want to be here for that. You want to be being chased by the Antichrist and the beast when they're overcoming folks and killing folk and you're dying. Why would you do that? When you can come to Christ right now, have your sins forgiven, know you belong to the Lord, know your names written in the Lamb's book of life and that you might get to be part of the group that goes up in the rapture. Why would you want to miss all those great things that God had done? I wanted to say this because I've been identifying Satan as a counterfeit this whole study. God seals his believers with the Holy Spirit, but God seals us. He marks us that we belong to him, that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's our guarantee of salvation. Satan seals his servants and it guarantees their damnation. Another counterfeit. Here's the thing. The counterfeit will be good for a while, right? When they get the mark, now I can buy and sell. It was a good thing. But it's only good for a little while and it runs out. And then you got to stand before God as someone that rejected him for him. Satan is always offering counterfeits. And I want to just this is from my heart to anybody listening. I spent my life as a non-believer eating up all the counterfeits that Satan offered. Counterfeit fun. I couldn't have a good time without sin, without alcohol. That was the euphoric. That was what I felt like I had to have. I couldn't imagine life without alcohol, because I have become convinced by the enemy that this is what a good time looks like. I got to be out of my mind halfway to have a good time. And I couldn't imagine a life without alcohol, though it was destroying me, though it was killing me, though it was ruining aspects of my life. I had bit the bait of the counterfeit. It was a counterfeit joy. It was temporal. It wore out. And oftentimes I woke up disappointed with how I had conducted myself and what I had done to people in that state. I spent my non-believing life enjoying counterfeit love, relationships all over the place, had to be different ones in different places. I thought that's what it was. It was counterfeit. It was fraudulent. It was never truly satisfying. Then I get saved and God's like, you just need one woman. I say real love, real relationship, lifelong, just takes one. And I realized, man, I spent all that season of my non-believing life counterfeit love. Satan has got counterfeits of everything that God is saying I offered in reality counterfeit peace. You can't have peace without God. You got to come to God. When you have peace with God, you then enjoy the peace of God. And peace can be sustained when things aren't even peaceful. It's supernatural peace. And so maybe you're listening and you say, man, I bit a lot of counterfeit in my life. And here's the cool thing. If you've been eating counterfeit, you know it. You know it's not really lasting. You know it doesn't really work. You know it just lasts for so long and always seems to have some funky price tag on it. I'm just testifying out of experience 
that I was a victim of counterfeit. And I've come to a place now where I've known Christ since 1995. I've been walking with him since October of 95. If it weren't true, I wouldn't be here doing this. If it weren't better to walk with Christ, everything I used to do is still there for me to do. Right. I could still be getting drunk if it were better. I could still be running women if it was better. I could still be whatever if it were better. I'm continue with Christ because I'm telling you it's been way better. I realize that he's the reality of every counterfeit I ever was suckered into by the world, the flesh and the devil. And so I want you to know that you can be forgiven. I was a sucker and God forgave me. He was merciful to me. He overlooked my ignorance and he drew me to himself and he forgave me for all my sins. Then he gave me new life in him. And God is every day, every moment of every day. God is saying, come to me. If you're thirsty, you've been left hanging out there. You've been biting the wrong bait. Come to me. I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll receive you as my own. I'll give you truth. So you'll never fall for a counterfeit again. And I really want that invitation to go out. If you're listening and say, man, I've done all these things. and I've bit counterfeit all over the place, but I want to know Christ in reality. As we wrap this up, I want to invite you that you would today you would place your faith in Christ. You would announce your faith in Christ. You would confess your faith in Christ today. Now, as we close the last section here, verse 18, he says, here is wisdom. Let him who has understand calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six, six, six. And the number of man is six. Some believe it's six, six, six. It's a six for each member for Satan, the false prophet, the Antichrist. We know that the number seven is typically the number of God. It's the number of man is six. And this image or this number is six, six, six. And so as we close, I want to encourage anybody who would say I have. Maybe you've had a counterfeit Christ. Maybe you just haven't been real in your own relationship with Christ. You realize how costly it would be to continue in that. Maybe you've been looking to the world to provide. Maybe you know you're sinning. Some people are listening. You're sinning against God because you thought it would work out. You want some relationship that's not right. You want to have fun in some way. And I'm saying counterfeit. God will do in reality what you're getting left hanging with counterfeit anyway. And um, say this before we pray. When I was in the world, I used to be a weed man and I would sell weed, but I was young. And I had this older guy that would buy a good amount of weed for me each Friday. This guy would come and he would, you know, he would get his week's worth. And so he would pay me and I would give him weed. And it was somebody I dealt with on a regular basis. Well, he called me one time and he wanted a large amount. And I was excited. I'm like, oh, this is a score for me. And so I went and borrowed money to, you know, get the amount of weed he wanted to to make the transaction. And he came and he paid me in cash. And I had this money and I thought I had one. Well, I went to the liquor store and I went to go buy a 40 and I gave him one of these bills and they gave it back to me. (laughs) They said it's counterfeit and I had been had. Now, that's what I get. I was, I guess if you're selling weed and you get counterfeit money, it's what you get. You can't really call the police. <laughs> you know, you just kind of got to deal with it some other kind of way. But uh, I had been had I, and I learned a lesson there. Again, this is probably not the best example, but I, I learned from there. I, I had to scrutinize money that I was receiving, understand that there is a fake out there. And I hadn't really been disciplined in that beforehand. So Maybe for you, right? Maybe you just kind of been taking information and wherever it comes from, whoever's speaking it. Maybe as you hear this today, you realize there's a deceiver out there. 
There's a liar. I got to be a little more careful. I got to be a lot more careful about who I let speak to me about spiritual things or where I get information from, because buying the lies of Satan is very costly. He's offering good counterfeits, but they come at great cost. And so we want to be well acquainted with the truth of God that comes from the word of God. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. What's swirling in your mind just now after what you've heard in today's message? Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fully process what was shared. Revelation is definitely one of those books that you have to almost sit and chew on, trying to discern what in the world it all means. But the good news is, God's given us His Word to help us know and understand what's ahead. What a gift. He didn't leave it all a mystery. He's revealing things on each page of this book, whether or not you're fully in the know of all that it means in this moment. Keep studying it on your own and digging into Scripture with an appetite that's ready to take in what God has for you. If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have some extra time and are nearby, we'd love for you to attend one of our services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that this message has ministered to your heart and you have a little more peace next time listening to it. We look forward to our next time as Pastor Bill teaches in Revelation right here on A Transforming Word.